Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Hello. Perfect. Can you, yep, can I can hear you, hear you well? as well as well. Okay. I can. Great. Um, Sorry about that. Look, Sorry about the delay. I was, uh, it's crazy times. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we just, we just did like a, like a really chill thing at my house, just my parents and my little brother. Yeah, well, that's cool. Mine was on uh, Monday, so I went through okay. the same thing. Oh, nice. Happy belated. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm much older than you, so I've had more of them. Yeah. Yeah. You probably, you probably know how this goes by now, right? <laughs> uh, roughly. <laughs> Pretty much. So, so where, where, where do you find your podcast? Like, where do I view them after the fact? Um, you, I'll send you a link. Um, but, uh, but you can basically just like, like any sort of podcasting platform that you, that you might know of. You right. Can find it there. Um, like you I use, I use Stitcher and I use, uh, I use Stitcher and I use, um, uh, Apple podcasts. Okay, so. Yeah. You can, you can find it on Apple podcasts. Uh, I'm not sure about Stitcher. Okay. Um, but What's yeah. It but, under? What's it under? Uh, it's under the Durham business podcast. Okay. Yeah. So if you just cool. type in Durham business, you'll, you'll probably find it. Yep. Okay. Great. Yeah. So, so Jonathan, um, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Well, let's start with who you are and what you do. Alrighty. Well, <clears throat> uh, my name is Jonathan Van Bilson. I am a photographer I host a couple of TV shows. I write uh, half a dozen articles a month, and I've published 12 books. Other than that, it's a pretty dull life. Jesus. Published 12 books as well? Uh, yeah, four of them were uh, espionage novels, and um, I've done a lot of traveling because travel photography is my forte, so yeah. I wrote a lot of the books on airplanes. So four okay. were spy novels, a couple were a uh, couple were guidebooks, and a couple were self-help photography type books, and then right. I've done uh, th three uh, historical type books for uh, for North Durham, and yeah. one picture book for Port Perry. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you something since you mentioned espionage. Do you know any professors sure. from Ryerson University? Um. <clears throat> Who are still alive? No, I went there um, back in the seventies. Saul Dworkin, Barry, 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 Barry Hunt, I think was his name. But yeah. I think they were, are long gone. Why do you ask? No, I'm asking because um, you know uh, during grade school and 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 high school, I, I couldn't care less about history until right. I took history courses in university, and uh, there right. were two right. professors in particular that were just so enthusiastic. And passionate about the subject and um, okay. one of them taught an espionage course and uh, the other one taught uh, like an actual history of Toronto uh, but but he also right. taught espionage and uh, it, it was okay. such a fascinating course I loved it um, I don't I really don't know um, a friend of mine who just passed away a couple of weeks ago was a history buff for Toronto and he did a lot of uh, research the old uh, I don't know if you know Mike Filey um, this is sort of his protege. So, uh, I don't know, Mike I don't know if I'm dating myself there or not. 
Really? Boy, I'm yeah. getting old. Um, Mike Farley was a uh, Toronto's most foremost historian. Oh, okay. Yeah, without, I'm sure. I'm sure if you Googled him, there's tons of information online from him. Yeah. Still. I was actually on your website, and I I saw like you've basically been everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. Um, even Uxbridge. I um, I've actually been to 106 countries, so I'm quite yeah. quite proud of that fact, and many of them uh, numerous times. So. I think the number of I I don't count on both hands so (laughs) yeah but you're young (laughs) the uh the the cool thing about the traveling too is and i always mention this is i've never been on a cruise ship there is a group that i belong to out of california called century club and it's for people who've traveled more than 100 countries and there's a few people on there who have done cruises but it's like you know three hours in uh, uh bahamas you know two hours in cayman that sort of thing and i don't count that as uh as being in a country so yeah no for sure i i, I don't count it either um uh, besides you couldn't pay me to go on a ship anyways so yeah <laughs> especially now oh yeah especially now very true very true um very true of, how how are you like how has corona impacted your business if it has it 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 really hasn't. I mean, yeah. my, my photography business has uh, slowed down a lot since I'm, I'm more or less retired about 12 years ago from, from the travel photography. And I've put all my emphasis into the, uh, both the TV shows, my writing and doing something with my, my, you know, hundreds of thousands of photographs. So my photography business, it, it keeps going. I, you know, it's, it's slow now, of course, because everything is, but um, I do a fair bit of restoration work on photographs. So people dig up stuff, you know, they dig their relatives out of the attic sort of thing, and they're all ripped and have water stains and that. So I do a lot of that type of work, restoring those. Right. And that's still pretty steady. That's still fairly steady. Um, I think I mentioned to you, we're starting a new TV show. Uh, we're in the middle of it now. It's launching April uh, 5th with Rogers. And um, it's a travel show, which is pretty exciting. Sorry? What's it called? It's called Photos and Travel. Photos and then the letter N and then the word travel. Same as my website. Yeah. Um, same as everything I do. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it's it, what, what we're doing. I, I've been doing a talk show for Rogers now for, I guess, about seven or eight months. And it's gone over very well. Um, it's based on an article that I write for a newspaper up here and have for about six or seven years called the story behind the person where I, I take notable people in the, uh, in Durham region and interview them, do a nice black and white, uh, photograph of them. And it gets printed once a month. So I got a call last summer asking if I'd be interested in doing a, a TV show based on that, on that article, on those articles. So I jumped at that chance. That was great. So yeah. we've been doing that and we've, we've interviewed people, um, Aaron O'Toole, he was actually our first guest, which was kind of cool. Uh, John Henry, Ted Barris, I don't know if you know Ted or not. Ted is uh, quite the author, has written 18 or 19 books all related to Canadian history and, and a lot of war history in, for Canada. In fact, when we interviewed Ted, there was so much information, we split it into two shows, one for, uh, I believe it was January or February, and the other one we're doing in uh, in November for Remembrance Day, because there's so much Canadiana in there. And then we've interviewed a few artists recently. Um, 
And we have, we're, we're not doing an April show. Um, we've decided not to do it because of the close contact in the studio. Yeah. So we're looking, to, we're looking to see if we can do a Skype point. Otherwise, we're just going to forget that. But our next guests are Kelly LaRocco, who is the chief of the Mississaugas. Um, we have Lindsay Park, who, of course, you know, is the uh, MPP for Durham region. Right. We have, I'm trying to go through the roster here, um, a lot of people. And we'll just keep adding to that, of course. We also have a, a lady named Leah Daniels, who I saw at concert a couple of months ago, who's, uh, I think she's won a country award for Ontario or something. She's got a fantastic voice. So we reached out to her and she was uh, delighted to be part of the group. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, that's incredible. So, um, it, it, so then, it, 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 it's great to know that there's, there's just so much talent out there in the region. Um, it kind of gives it's unbelievable. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just starting out with this podcast, and uh, you know, right. I can't, can't wait to get to everybody because uh, that. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it is great. I I've been doing podcasts. I did podcasts for a while of all my articles, and then I stopped doing it um, because it's just a lot of work. You know, as I say, I write six a month, and as you know, the podcast editing a podcast is a lot of work. Um, to get it to get it right kind of thing so but what we are going to do is we are going to do a podcast for the travel show the upcoming travel show and uh, we nice. may do one just the, the audio just the audio track and then the audio track maybe from the talk show as well yeah so that would be good huh. so 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 now i'm kind of totally embedded engulfed in this uh in this new travel show which is great it's exciting yeah, it's exciting so. to start a new venture, and it's also great that um, it's not going to be severely impacted by Corona, right? Um, yeah, it won't. It won't be at all. We we actually the way we're we're I don't know if, how technical you want to get because your listeners may be um, you know may tune it out, but what no, we essentially exactly. decided to do. We decided to, we obviously don't have a budget for me to take a film crew with me all over the world. Um, so what we decided to do was do an introduction to each show on a green screen and then run, um, run video behind that. And the green screen, of course, is, is where you stand in front of that, in front of the camera. Yeah. And then they remove the green, replace it with uh, photos or, or videos. So the, the beauty of this show is they're all my pictures and videos. Everything is mine, which is great. Um, so, so that makes me feel very good. It's a half hour show. And so it's an introduction on green screen. And then we, we have, um, I think about 13, 14 minutes. And then we go to commercial and then we do another 14 minutes or so. And, and then we finish it up. And each segment, each um, episode will deal with a different part in the world. The first one, which is airing on the April the 5th on Rogers TV, as well as YouTube, of course. Um, it deals with, uh, we're visiting Jerusalem on that show. And uh, the following one, the May, the May show is, is Northern Namibia, which is Southwest Africa. Um, you know, one of the most fantastic places for wildlife. And um, I, the one after that, I believe is Petra, which is one of the seven wonders in the world in, in, in Jordan, which I just came back from. So there's lots of um, lots of stuff. So we have 56 episodes that we've got planned out. So you'll have at least uh, six years of seeing my show. And then we'll run reruns. Anyone is looking forward to hearing that, like where or, or watching it, where where can they where can they go to see it? Well, the best place is 
Um, if, if you live in Durham and you have Rogers, obviously you can watch it on Rogers. They will be airing it uh, several times, I think about maybe 20 times throughout the month, throughout Durham. They have, uh, Rogers has 250,000 subscribers in Durham region. So, um, you know, there's lots of, lots of uh, exposure there. Also YouTube, if you Google my name on YouTube, the show is called Jonathan Van Bilsen's Photos and Travel. Right. And as I mentioned, photos is, is with an N in the middle rather than the word and. Uh, so you'll find it that way. The talk show is called the Jonathan Van Bilsen Show. So if you Google my name, it, you'll find it. We, um, we're kind of jumping the gun with the travel show. We've got, uh, I think, just hit 800 subscribers and we haven't put an episode up yet. Wow. So, Congratulations. Yeah. Well, it's a good sign, right? It means that oh, people yeah. are, are interested. One of the, I think one of the beauties of, of doing that show is, is during times like this, when people um, certainly can't travel, can't even go to their grocery store as such, it's great to just sit down and watch what the rest of the world looks like on a happier note. I mean, yeah. you know, you turn the news on and all you see is, is all the doom and gloom you know, that that's, that's taking place. So it's nice to, to turn a TV show on or to watch something on YouTube that is, you know, relatively interesting, uh, different parts of the world where people either have been or want to go someday or are just interested in. So I really appreciate that cool. on, uh, on what you're doing. I, I think, I think people need it for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's great for me too to kind of relive all my, uh, all my travels. Yeah. So, so, and then I write a, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I also write an article called photos and travel for a, a local magazine in, uh, in Skugog called uh, focus on Skugog. And I've been doing that for, I think 11 or 12 years now, every month, an article on a different location. And these will not be synced up with the TV show, but um, they, they will be in the same sort of, uh, um, I don't know, same sort of theme, if you like. Yeah. So I write about my experiences, which, you know, I, I've had a few, um, some, some good, some funny, some not so good. But it kind of, what I, what I try and do is I, I, I try not to do like a Rick Steves kind of a show where you're, you're sort of narrating um, you know, from a distance, I, I prefer to kind of do it through my eyes the way I've, I've viewed it. Yeah. So if, if, you know, if I see something that I find interesting, I, I like to sort of share that rather than, you know, just say, well, this is this building and that's that building and so forth and so forth. Um, like in Jerusalem, for example, I had a great opportunity of going underground to a, an area where, where uh, normally tourists don't go. And it was about a three hour tour under the uh under the ruins but what happens is is i don't know how familiar you are with jerusalem but there's the western Not wall which is the remaining wall of it okay there's a wall there that was built around 100 bce by king herod and there's about uh it's about 1500 feet long about 500 meters and yeah. only about uh, 30 meters are visible the rest of is buried and there are houses on top of it and it's all in the Muslim quarter where, where normally you can't go. So um, by, by going underground, you're able to walk underneath all of this. And there's, there's one stone there that's 40 feet long. That's the size of a bus by 12 feet high, by 14 feet deep. And it weighs the equivalent of 200 elephants. And, and you, know, you look at this thing and you kind of think, my gosh, how did they possibly get that up there a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago? You know, so that kind of stuff just boggles my mind. I love getting yeah. into that. So there's a little bit of history, a little bit of history in the show and stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, that's crazy. And I, 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 I never understood how things like that happen. Like, like I've, like I've heard uh, you know, people asking those same questions regarding the pyramids. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, like you could just can't even imagine. Yeah. No, I know, I know. There's, there's so much. I mean, places like Machu Picchu. Now, you know, there's always a theory that it was aliens who ran the world back then and did all this. Um, but oh, yeah. if you don't buy into that one, you, you, you kind of have to go with the fact that, that you know, humans were, were pretty intelligent back there. They, they were not, um, you know, they're not as dumb as, as sometimes we, we make out. Some of the structures, like even in Mexico, the pyramids in Mexico are, are quite phenomenal. The, yeah. And, and I don't know if you've been, I don't know if you've been to Machu Picchu in Peru, but th this is, this place is like 11,000 feet above sea level. You know, the air is very thin there. So yeah. forget about carrying rocks, like walking around is difficult. Right. And um, just, just amazing. All these things that are built. You'd have to think though, that living up there, I, I mean, I, I, I know that it is difficult if you've only been there for a short period of time, but after your body right, got right. used to it, I, I would imagine yep. that your body would just kind of adapt and evolve to it and you, you would essentially get stronger from it, no? Yeah, I don't know if your body actually does, but I know that, um, that the people do over time because the people in, uh, in the Andes mountains, they tend to be stockier, uh, barrel-chested, much, much larger lung capacity than we'll ever have. Um, right. And I think that, that just evolved, evolved over time. I, I can't speak for the Incas because I really don't know, but I'm sure they, they would have done that too. I also I have no idea how long the, uh, the average person lived back then. But just the very fact that they were on top of a mountain and they're doing doing all this digging and and you know with rock formations and that it's not like you can just go down to like when they built the pyramids the quarries were about uh, five or six kilometers from the actual site and they they rolled the rocks on logs and you know and then they built sand ramps and um, and carried them up that way still quite an undertaking but in places like Machu Picchu or or in in Micronesia where they've got these these stone uh, structures built on top of mountains and there's no way of getting the stuff there. Like it's just, it's mind boggling. I wonder if back then they thought that what they were doing was an amazing feat or if, or if back then they, you know, that, that was just the equivalent of like tedious office work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would, I would imagine it was done with a lot of, um, a lot of, I think a lot of foresight and a lot of gratification. I think, I, I believe a lot of these structures were done for religious reasons. And when they do that, you know, there's, there's an immediate gratification. There's also, of course, um, you know, you don't know how long it took to do these things, right? I'm sure that, that they didn't build the pyramids in a day. Yeah. Um, but if you look at today, you look at today, you go to cities like Dubai and the architecture there is just phenomenal. It's mind blowing. And when you see that, you have to wonder, you know, are we doing that just because we have to? And I don't think we are. I think we're, what we do today, we do because people by nature push the envelope always, you know, without question. So um, I think that was the case back then as well. Yeah. What about, what, uh, what about your experiences in like places like Asia or Africa? Um, well, I, I certainly, I love Africa. I, I've been to, I think, a 
10 countries, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, Namibia, Namibia, Namibia is definitely my favorite. It's, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It used to be known as German West Africa. It sits somewhere between South Africa and Angola on the, on the ocean. And it's, it's unique. It's about the size of Alberta. It has a population of about 2 million people. Wait a second. And did, did the Germans which is pretty, at one point occupy Africa? Or parts of it? Parts, yes, parts of what, Southwest Africa. They did. Um, oh, yeah, not not to not, not to dwell on. I'm sorry. Sorry, it, it got colonized, isn't that right? Or yeah, what what happened was that that there was a part of of Africa that was colonized by the Germans, but then the Dutch were in South Africa, and then the British came in when they found uh, diamonds and kind of forced the Dutch out. Um, and a lot of the Dutch, the Afrikaners, went up into Namibia, mixed in with the German population. And I, I can't remember when they changed the name from German West Africa to Namibia, but I would venture to say it was in the last uh, 20 years or so. I'm not 100% sure, but something like that. But as, as I said, the, the country is, in fact, all the names there are, are German descent, the street names, the people's names, the um, town names, um, German or Dutch. Wow. The, uh, the fact... The fact that the country is the size of Alberta with a population of 2 million, you can drive for a couple hours without seeing anybody. It's pretty cool. It yeah. also has the, has the second largest canyon in the world next to the Grand Canyon and the world's highest sand dunes. And uh, I climbed one of those sand dunes. Let me tell you, that was a chore. Um, <laughs> getting up is a lot easier and coming down. Yeah. It, uh, you have to kind of set out at, you have to set out at 6 in the morning because at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, it, it hits about 40 degrees. Oh, God. And that's that's a little too warm for uh, for climbing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's amazing. And then if you go into the north, there's an area called the uh, the Atosha uh, region, and I, I'm not sure how large it is. I would guess it's about maybe I don't know half the size of Lake Ontario, something like that. Um, and it has more wildlife than I've ever seen. And I've I've seen um, uh, you know I've been Botswana, I've done Kenya, Tanzania, and um, Zambia, that area, South Africa. This has it like hands down, hundreds and hundreds of elephants, um, tons of giraffes, uh, zebras that just you know walk all over the place. It's unbelievable. So, were you ever scared that one of those go. one of those animals were going to get you? Um, not really. I mean, I you know you stay in a jeep. Um, you don't leave the jeep kind of thing. I had a great guide through that country too. He was really he was quite the outdoorsy guy. Um, and you know you you have to be very careful. I think whenever I travel, um, I always I always tell people I've done 106 countries and I've never been sick. So you know it's it's careful travel. Like I'm, no, I'm very cautious of what I, what I do. Never, never. Wow. Um, but you know I mean I, I only drink bottled water that that well I only drink bottled water that I open. Mm -hmm. I don't drink any or I don't eat anything that's been washed in water. Like no salads, no uh, fruit unless I peel it. Um, that, that kind of thing. Uh, certainly, um, you know, wash my hands a lot. I brush my teeth with uh, bottled water, so I don't take any chances. And I don't, I don't go out and eat, um, you know, street food. Like there's no way I would, if I was in Wuhan, China or something that I go and, you know, pick a piece of meat off a street vendor. Um, I just, you know, that, that kind of stuff, just stay away from that. So, um, yeah, especially with and, those, and uh, those, those wet markets. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a different lifestyle and you have to, I think you have to be geared up for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I love a good hot dog downtown Toronto on a, on a street corner, but uh, not on a regular basis. 
I I've so. only seen like pictures of those wet markets, but it seems like just yeah. like like you just have chickens and like other animals like just living on top of each other. Like it, it's yeah. it's it, that's a problem when you just have too many people in one place. Well, it's an issue and, and it's a different lifestyle and that's, that's sort of the key. Like people have different ways, ways of, of living and, and when you, when you get a lot of people, you know, who, who are we or who's anybody to tell them that that's not the right way, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of places in the world where they can't afford to go to a, a you know, an $80 restaurant for lunch kind of thing. Yeah. Um, most of the world for that matter. So, you know, you, you make do with what you have. Right. And um, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of, of some of these groups like plant Canada and uh, water doctors and that who actually, um, you know, do something good for people in the world who weren't as fortunate as we are to have been born in a, in a good place, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you, you were, uh, you were talking about Scugog earlier. I, I, I was actually meaning to ask you this. Um, I, I had uh, this woman on the podcast, actually just before you, uh, her name was Marion Myers. Oh, yes. Yeah. She, so yep. I, I actually told her that you were coming on. She's like, oh, yeah, I know Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah, nice. I she, <laughs> yeah, I believe she runs the uh, Google Council for the Arts, if I'm not mistaken, or she's she involved in it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, she's a great lady. I really love talking to her. Yeah, Skugog's a fantastic place. I mean, we have a a ton of uh, a ton of artists up here. We've got uh, we've got we've got everything. It's great. Yeah. Trying to keep it a secret so that people don't come bombard us, but uh, it uh, certainly is a Port Perry's a great little town. I th I think that's going to change. Like this this podcast originally started just as like for 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 me to just satisfy my curiosity, but now it's kind of developed into like the more I hear about these little towns and these little townships, like I'm just kind of right. falling in love a little bit. <laughs> like there's just, there's yeah. just so many, uh, so many great things about these towns. And like, I, I'm, I'm originally from a small town, so it's kind of tugging at okay. the heart a bit. It's a, uh, it's a fantastic place. It's got so much to offer. I'm on the heritage committee, which is a real, real bonus for me. The The town had a major, major fire in 1883 and then another one in 1884. And most of the downtown core, at least the main two, two blocks were totally destroyed. So all the buildings are brick buildings dating back to the late 1800s, which is fantastic. And in the last 20 years or so, the township has been, been very, very, uh, influence, influential in making sure that people rebuild or add on using um, the the old style of of architecture. So when you walk down Queen Street in Port Perry, all the stores are uh, pretty well the way that they were a hundred years ago, without question. Wow. And recently, and, and I, when I say recently, I'm talking about like 20 or 30 years, they have imposed these, all these things that any, any restoration that's done has to be done to the way that it was originally. Um, and there are grant programs available to help store owners with that. But what it gives you is, is a very, very Victorian uh, looking town. And then of course, we've got the lake. You know, we've got Lake Skugog, which is, is just beautiful right at the foot of, of our, our Queen Street. And we also have a grain elevator, which is the oldest in Canada and the second oldest in the in North America. So Sorry, did you say there's been elevator? some renovations. To, no, grain. 
grain. Oh, grain. Grain, grain. like, grain. yeah, yeah. It's red, actually. It's it's kind of a reddish color. Oh, okay. It, uh, and the reason it's that color is it was owned by the Trunk Railroad, if I'm not mistaken, and a long time ago, and it, that was their main color. So that was the original color that it was painted. So they're making a film now, or a series. They're doing, Amazon is doing a series in Port Perry for their uh, American Gods, I believe, is the series. They're shooting season three in Port Perry, and they've kind of taken over the grain elevator and parts of town. So, uh, oh, that's so, cool. so when you drive in, where it is, it's neat. The uh, part of it is now a hardware store. The facade is a hardware store where it used to say Port Perry on top of the elevator. Now I think it says Lakeview or something like that. Some little Midwest American town or wherever the series takes place. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's nothing great. like walking in the middle of walking into Port Perry in the middle of September with nothing but snow around, fake snow, but it was, it's pretty cool. So where else have you been, Jonathan, aside from, uh, from Africa, Asia, I don't know what other well, I've I've been through Europe. I was born in Europe, so I've certainly gone back there a number of times. Um, in fact, what, we're what just going through all the, the countries I'm missing. Stories. Like, do you, do you have one crazy story that you always tell when um, you first meet? Not not on my first meeting, usually. Uh, yeah, you know what? That was um, probably uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, probably third yeah, meeting, third or fourth. One of the funny ones, I think, was. Um, in hindsight, it's funny. When I, I was in, in Egypt and the Valley of the Kings and primarily to see King Tut's tomb. And back then when I went, um, there was a fee of 100 Egyptian pounds, which I think was about $25 to photograph any, any uh, historic site. And you had to have a permit for every historic site you went to. So you can appreciate that really, really added up quickly. So what I did was in the Valley of the Kings, I cut a hole in my, um, my uh, bag, my, my carrying bag, and I had the camera through that. So I was shooting from the hip blindly. And then I heard this yelling behind me. And of course I didn't turn around. Um, I just started walking fast. And there were a couple of security guards who were dressed in the typical um, Arab attire at the time. So I didn't know they were security guards but they were yelling photos, photos or something like that. So I knew they were after me. So I started walking fast and I started running and I ran up into the, uh, I ran up into the hills in uh, the Valley of the King and I, I, they wouldn't stop. I think I ran for about 20, 25 minutes and they just kept going. And eventually um, you have to appreciate these, these hills in this area, there are hundreds and hundreds of tombs that have been excavated and they're nothing more now than just holes in the, in the, in the mountains. And so I saw one of those and I jumped in and I just laid there and panted and, and waited. And finally, these two guides gave up and left. And we're talking like, like, you know, 45 degrees here. So it's not, not chilly. And then suddenly I heard this noise behind me in this, uh, in this tomb that I was in. I think, oh my gosh, here I am, the only bears in Egypt. And I didn't know what to expect. And it turns out there's a family living in there. So they, um, of course, they invited me in. I had to drink some, something. I don't know what it was. It was... My well, heart was pounding. very tasty. I thought, I thought, I, I yeah. thought you were going to say like a rattlesnake or something. No, 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 no. I, I could make it up and, and, you know, and say there was an Egyptian mummy came up. Boris Karloff came out from the, the depths of the tomb. But no, they were, they were very nice people. And um, so finally, the, after I had some of their coffee, the little boy took me back down, showed me that, the way to go down back to where the car was and that. And that was it. But, you know, you kind of... As as this is happening, you're sort of fearful, right? Because you don't know what to expect. You don't know what these people are going to do. So uh, 
I got off lucky. So, so it was good. So you were you were mentioning with your sh- with your show, you know, like Rogers has about two hundred thousand uh, subscribers. Um, yeah, two hundred fifty actually. Oh, oh, two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've you've already got experience with, t- you know, like you know, hosting TV shows and and such. How how much right. do they tell you in terms of you know the ratings or or like numbers? You know, like do you do you ever know how well you're doing? Well, you, you don't really, I guess. They don't have. I don't believe that they've got little little magic things inside the TV that can see that you're watching. Um, and short of doing doings. Uh, surveys and that but my understanding is that that if you do the numbers there's 250,000 households so you figure there's 500,000 people that have access to the show they play it uh, 20 to 30 times a month so your exposure rate is is upwards of 5 million and if you take um, you know a very small percentage of that uh, we, we believe that, that we're getting about 300,000 views per month 300 to 350,000 views per month sort of what we're, we're, uh, what we're, we're working on. That's what our advertisers are working on as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not an exact science, right? It's always just an, just an approximation. No. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's local. And the, the fact that it's local, people tend to be more interested. You know, I, I would much rather watch a TV show that has, you know, John Henry, who's a chair of Durham and Re- Durham region talk about things like transit and that, than listening to, you know, someone from Mississauga or something like that, you yeah. know, because we live here. So we're more interested in of what course. we're doing. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll the travel show too, I'm hoping. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say the travel show too, I'm, I'm hoping will, uh, will go over very well. Yeah. Cause I do a lot of travel presentations now and I MC a lot of gigs and I do a lot of travel presentations. Yeah. So my, my name's getting out there. It has been for a while. What, what, what type of gigs do you MC? Uh, it really varies. I last week, no, two weeks ago, yeah, about two weeks ago, I was fortunate to MC the Durham Chamber Orchestra in uh, in Ajax. They did a fantastic concert, and I've done a couple for them now, and have a couple more coming up. So uh, it's 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 unbelievable to listen to live um, to a live orchestra of of you know forty plus people. It just yeah, it, you know, I've, I've mentioned as many times that you can download as many tunes as you want or play as many CDs as you want. Nothing beats live music and to, you know, stand on stage with these people and just listen to them. It's unbelievable. So, so that, that sort of thing. I am see some, some local um, awards type thing shows, whatever, um, you know, whenever they, they need an MC. And then I do a presentation at the library here, a travel presentation every other month. Um, every, yeah, I think it's the third Tuesday of every month in the afternoon on a different location and uh, just various places that, uh, you know, I just share my travel experiences with. And that's why, why, why the show, because, you know, it's, it's just a great opportunity to, to share something that, uh, you know, with, with a lot of people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all, all, all of these ventures, Jonathan, uh, you know, authoring 12 books. Um, I don't know how many TV shows, two or three, uh, being a being a photographer, traveling around the world, these all seem like solo ventures. But I'm curious if you've ever had to uh, hire people for like to manage all this for you, or if you no. just do it all yourself. No, 
Yeah, if it gets to that point, then I'm uh, not doing it. Then the fun's gone. Like it has to be, it has to be fun. And yeah. I mean, for the TV show, it's a little different. We have a crew of, of six or seven people. We've got a great producer, and uh, and she keeps everybody in line. That's a little different. But for the uh, travel show, I have a big say in that because it's all my stuff. The books, of course, I you know I was fortunate to be published. Um, Eleven years after I wrote my first book, I was finally published, and um, so I was quite pleased with that. And um, and the articles, you know, I've I've been I write those. One of them is is a great. It's a lifestyle article, so I can kind of write what I want to write. Yeah, and I was chatting in front of my Neil Crone. I don't know if you know Neil Crone or not, but um, we were talking about that because uh, he's been doing an article for a hundred years, and just the opportunity to be able to talk about what you like your your take on something. It's great. Yeah. So, no, you know what? Especially in this this specific time we live in, because uh, people left and right on social media are just you know getting ridiculed for you know having an opinion yep. or you know kind of. Yep. You know, speaking their own mind and you know people are getting canceled even like it like this i don't know if you've heard of this like cancel culture but it, it's it's completely insane yeah it's it's a tough call i mean i'm a big believer that if you're going to um if you're giving your opinion on something that that's there's nothing wrong with that you're allowed to do that if you're reporting on something then i think you have a responsibility to make sure you stick to the facts um right. because because if I'm going to tell you about, you know, something that's happened in the news, then yeah. I'm reporting the news. And I don't think that my opinion is, is valid because I don't think I, I qualify to have an opinion no. um, that no, I could share right. publicly with that. Yeah. You know, no, I, it's, I, I, it's different if it's a, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I've been, I've been, uh, kind of playing around in my head this idea of uh, starting almost like a business segment in this in this podcast just basically right starting off as just reporting the 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 business news in the Durham region um and and, and yeah. that that's basically the stance I would take is just basically being a reporter um not anything right or anything less yeah and I think that's a responsibility you have to you have to sort of see through I mean, to you know, when when you have facts and you're reporting your news and you're doing that, you're a reporter. If you're giving your opinion, then you're you're editing. You know, you're you're then doing a different type of uh, a show, and that's fine. But you can't mix the two. And I think a lot of people do that. They'll you know give their opinions on facts, not knowing all the facts necessarily, and consequently you end up with um, you know with with they should be canceled because they're. You know, I don't, I, I don't use the term fake news, but it ends up being um, unfiltered news. Right. You know, as, especially with things like YouTube now, you know, everybody can be a, a, a newscaster, a TV star, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse. Oh, absolutely. But it's here to stay, I think. Yep. Not going away anytime yeah. soon. Um, I, I, I was Absolutely also thinking not. of, uh, you know, kind of getting around the whole, uh, you know, having your own opinion. Uh, so right. on, on, on each article, uh, you know, you have, you have a comment section. So I was uh, kind of think, kind of playing with the idea of throwing the comments in there and just, you know, just kind of basically reporting on what people are saying about things. Right. Um, Yep. Just to kind of take that step away from, uh, you know, actually having to go out and interview people. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you want to be careful with with comments. Um, I mean, I you know they're certainly welcome, but you you just have to be really careful because if you put something out there and people have the opportunity to comment on it and they do, you have no control of what goes out. If you control it, then you're censoring it, right? right. So you you want to be careful with that because if somebody first of all, you I mean the the biggest shock to my life was was when I published my first book and and you know. It was good. It did like 5,000 copies, which for a Canadian book was pretty good because my fourth one did 25,000. But the fact that not everybody in the world loved it and thought I was the greatest writer since, since uh, you know, since bread, um, I was shocked. So you have to kind of be careful because when you write things down, you're kind of writing from, you know, your, yourself, and be it your experiences or your, your heart or whatever it is. And then suddenly you open it up to the world and the world looks and says, "Ah, eh, you know, that's kind of stupid." And then you're you're hit with this, and you think, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you you want to do it, I'd love to see. You don't need to ask people for their comments on this podcast, though. Today, I'm okay with without knowing that. Oh no. Okay. Well, you're not you're not gonna like uh, the last segment that we do, though. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what? <laughs> it's it's basically just gonna be a question of the day. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Um, well, we'll 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 get to it. I'm still I'm still not done asking you questions. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, All right. But uh, yeah. So you know what? I that that just sparked some some curiosity in me. I how was it like to publish your first book? Like, are you self published or did you go through a publisher? I went through a publisher. Okay. I it was it was good. I wrote the book in 1982. And it got published in '96, and I, it, it, I thought it was a great book, and I sent it to about I don't know a dozen or so editors. The first three chapters, some came back with comments, some just said not interested. Um, in most cases, it was the fact that they published one or two Canadian fiction novels a year, like new, new books, new authors. Um, so it was a big market. And then I ran into a fellow who had published three or four. Um, novels of a similar genre, he, uh, mostly IRA based because he was in the IRA and, uh, or sorry, he was with the SAS and he, um, he'd written sorry, some books and I met him. SAS, the Strategic Air Service, the British um, equivalent to the US SEALs, that kind of thing. Oh, and, and he was telling me one of the books he wrote actually was really fantastic. It was about uh, somebody coming down the Ottawa River and sneaking into the prime minister's house on Sussex Drive. And I forget the, the nature of the book, but he, um, in, to, to find out about this book, he actually took a little boat down the Ottawa River, moored it down at the base of Sussex Street, climbed up the cliff and walked through the gardens and nodded to the RCMP officers that, who, who were there and walked out the front gate and nobody asked him anything. So that was kind of how his book went. That would have been around the uh, John Turner times back then, whatever that was. So anyway, so I met, his name is Roy French. I met Roy. We got to be quite friendly and he actually hooked me up with his publisher and that's how I got uh, published. So I was under contract to do seven books and the publisher, um, actually he passed away and uh, the company didn't survive much beyond that. Mm -hmm. So I got four out and so, but by then it was out of my system doing the, uh, because it's a lot of work. You have to do a lot of little towns and, you know, stand in bookshops right. and stuff like that. It's a lot of marketing. Yeah. Um, like, ha have you ever played around with the idea of uh, publishing on Amazon or, well, I, gu I guess that's kind uh, of publishing, right? 
Yeah, I, I thought about it with one of the books. It's a matter of finding the time to do it, you yeah. know, to actually do it. So uh, I may like, do that like, one day. Like your, your, your 13th book or? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, I would probably do the spy novels if anything. Right. But it's a matter of, um, because all I did was write them in, uh, you know, and back in that, those, that day, I, I couldn't tell you what the software was. I think it was WordPerfect, but I'm not 100% sure. And then, of course, the publisher does what they do with it to make it look like a book. So um, I'd have to really dig through some old files to find the actual um, digital files of those things. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember WordPerfect. Those were the good days. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Or an <laughs> IBM Display Writer. Oh. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too young yeah, for that. Or a Vic. Yeah, don't go there, okay? No. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, a friend of mine, like a, a, actually a very dear friend of mine uh, who helped me basically springboard my career, um, he just published his first book and I think he's working on his second and he's completely self-published. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I guess, yeah. Sorry, go um, on. The, no, I was going to say the hardest part about self-publishing is, is the actual marketing. That's true. You know, it's, yeah. My grandfather used to say, it's, it's okay to build a better mousetrap, but nobody's going to beat a door, a path to your door if you don't know how to market it. Mm. So, you know, so that's, um, so that's, that's always an issue. So, you know, you can sell it and, and then you end up with, uh, or you can, you can publish it and then you end up with uh, boxes of books and then what? Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. I guess having a lot of friends and family helps with uh, those initial sales. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier just to ask each each friend for five bucks. <laughs> Forget the book. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, when like with your first book and the publisher contracted mm -hmm. you for four books, right? Or sorry, seven, seven actually. But you were, yeah. Yeah. Um, how how do they even come to that number? Like, do they just gauge it based off of it, like how much attention you have? Yeah, the first book did uh, five thousand. The second one did six, and that's mm -hmm. when they thought, "Well, let's let's get some more." And that's when they went for uh, five more. And then the third one, did, the third one did twenty five thousand, and the fourth one twenty six thousand. I um, see. So you know, so I think it would have gone if I wanted to put the, the time and effort into it. But you have to appreciate, as a Canadian author, um, the book sells for back then it sold at chapters for sixteen ninety five or something like that. Um, chapters are indigo immediately get 50 to 55 percent of the sale price the publisher has to pay for the print printing they have to pay for the publicist uh an editor and so forth so at the end of the day the author is lucky to get a dollar 50 per book so now if you're margaret atwood and you sell five million every year yeah you can get by but the majority of people don't have that luxury right you know how much you want to pay for how much you want to pay for a novel right yeah like but i don't know what people pay now and like nine dollars ten dollars or something and then of course there's the added thing where where people don't a lot of people don't just just don't buy books right they, i mean they use libraries to share them with friends and things like that i used to have a standing joke with people who would say well you know i'm going to give your book to someone else i used to remind me when i was a kid you know you, you would you would get four guys in the back of the trunk um into the drive-in to sneak them in that kind of thing you know mm -hmm. so um yeah so Jonathan, we're almost approaching an hour and uh, I wanted to get to that segment with you. 
Um, okay. So I, I do this with all of our guests. Um, it's just a question of the day. You can you can pose it to the people of Durham, um, or you know it doesn't have to be a question either. It can be the best advice you've ever heard. Uh, so I'll leave it with you. So you want me to actually pose a question? Interesting. If you want, um, yeah. yeah, just it, you know, if you're if you're yeah. if you're if you wanted a chance to get some market research, you know, free market research, basically. <laughs> I, I would say, I guess my biggest thing is what is it that people in Durham are interested in? That, that, that's always been my, my question. Um, you know, are they interested in politics? Are they interested in transportation? Are they interested in the arts? Are they interested in business, um, you know, recreation, traveling, whatever it is? I've always been curious what uh, a, a, an area like Durham, which is a substantial area, um, what, what, piques their interest. You know, what right. will they come to places like Port Perry or do they just shop in Oshawa? Do they want to travel to the Middle East or are they happy going to Florida? Uh, just just a sort of a general sense of what what people really, really want to get out of life. Because you know it's it's a fairly affluent area. People are 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 you know have good opportunities and are able to do things with those opportunities. And I'm always curious as to what sort of things people want to do. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah, Does that work for you? Yeah, no, that's, that's, what perfect. do you want to do? What do you want to do? Me personally, I want to stay living at home for the foreseeable future as I save as much money as possible to make my next move, which I don't know what, what it will which be. Which is going to be what? I, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm right. not sure yet. I, you know, I, yeah. I have my main source of income and, uh, um, I'm doing these things on the side, like, you know, the Durham business podcast. I have another podcast, right. um, you know, I, I, I mean, I did like going to, to garage sales on the weekend, but that's kind of out of the question now. Right. Um, but, uh, right. yeah, I'm, I'm always trying new things and, uh, just, you know, seeing what I like, what I don't like. Um, but my, my number one focus is just to save as much as possible. All I have is time. I'm only 27. So, Right. Yeah. Oh, we're the same age. That's that's remarkable. Yeah, you know, I, I, you're you're the first 27 year old I've had on the podcast, actually. <laughs> on that note, yes. On that note, Jonathan, uh, if if you want to plug away whatever you want, uh, you know, before you step out, by all means, I would just I would just say, you know, if people are interested in the travel show on YouTube, Google my name. Um, you know, Jonathan Van Bilsen or Photos and Travel, and you'll find me. My website is also Photos and Travel, so uh, I'm not that hard to find. And I uh, very much appreciate the opportunity of chatting with you. Yeah, I really appreciate your time, Jonathan. Um, hopefully, I can have you on again because uh, there's, there's a lot more that I, I would like to touch on with you. Sure, anytime. Absolutely. Call me. Awesome. Okay, sounds good. Take care, Jonathan. Great. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.